The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. And you're welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. And after a fantastic debut last week, including the added bonus of Alan Kerr, Alan Kerr taking the Tattersalls Gold Cup. Oh, you absolute beauty. Mark Milligan is back with us on the Final Forum Podcast. Welcome back to the show, you winning machine. <laughs> That's a very, very kind introduction. I think we we did all right, didn't we? Hit the crossbar with a couple oh. as well. It could have could oh. have been so much better, but Mighty you know, I'll, I'll take it. No, oh. that was the lucky fifteen oh. banker. Oh, do you know they they went lickety split in that race, and I was begging Benoit de la Seat just to just to hang on to him for another half a furlong, and I think he just I think he just went half a furlong too soon and got chinned by one that was having the ears scrubbed off it after two furlongs it was unreal it was a, it was a, a bad beat it was a real bad beat but uh, none of that none of that this weekend uh, we're previewing I think seven races and we're going to have seven winners for you so we're going to have to figure out which winner we drop for our lucky 63 yeah, I've uh, <laughs> got some got some strong opinions this week oh, that's what we want to hear from Timeform's Mark Milligan. Right, let's get the uh, the insights. So for the 145 at Haydock, our first race, uh, listed race over five furlongs, and Dragon Symbol, who we know quite well, is currently two to one with uh, Kaluki, and this is from our Oshin Murphy connection. Um, and uh, he explained in detail the switch to Roger Varian, so second start for him. Uh, Clarendon House for Robert Cowell and Kevin Stott is fives with Kaluki, who also goes sevens about Ashendale, and uh, Atlas Bay is currently an eight-to-one shot. What do you think, my man? If Dragon Symbol can't win this, then... Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's a good bit of placing, actually, isn't it? I think this um, listed race for, for a horse who's essentially... He should, he should be a Group 1 winner, shouldn't he? I think he was a rather harshly disqualified at, at Royal Scott. Thank you. Last season. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, Sheen Murphy's going to send you a thank you basket now as well. We're the only two on the podcast that, that actually thought that. And everyone else is like, oh, you're talking nonsense. Uh, so thankfully, Mark is here to back us up. Obviously, Oshin's biased. Yeah. And I was biased I, from I, I think, doing my um, conkers on him. The, the stewards were doing their best for Anglo-American relations there, weren't they? <laughs> Wesley Ward's camping out um, because I think Dragon Symbol was probably the winner on merit. His form after, even his form after that, even if you ignore that, I mean, he was second in the July Cup. Yeah. He was third in a Nunthorpe. And this is, he's in a listed race and he doesn't even have a penalty because of that disqualification. Thank you, Royal Ascot. Thank you very much. Scott, we love you, but thank you very much. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, a great opportunity for him. So we sound like we're on the same page, and the two to one with Kaluki, I'm, I'm still kind of going, really? Is this is this really? And they're like, yeah, yeah we're going twos. So this this to me I seems think, very uh, fair. This is just a case of he's going in, isn't he? Yeah. You well, know, I mean, last week we had a what what I thought was a GH and a H group horse and a handicap oh, with mighty no. Ulysses. I think I think that will still prove to be the case. Don't Excellent. give up on mighty Ulysses but I think here we've got a group one horse in a listed race now let's completely ignore his comeback run at York yep. last time yep. because he was fat he was fat he was too fat you were there he basically I wasn't there but uh, David Cleary who does all the paddock comments legend um, for time form um, has reliably informed us that he was very much in need of the race dragon symbol that day so i think we can forgive him that he'd be much straighter this time around i think a few days ago i might have had a slight concern over the form of roger varian's horses he wasn't winning at quite the strike rate that we we know he's capable of but that seems to have turned around in the last day or two so not too concerned about stable form um i think dragon symbol hopefully will get us off to a really solid start here yeah, I agree, mate. 
I agree. And uh, he's had a three winners in the last couple of days as well. So um, I would have been of the same mindset about Roger Varian's stable form, but that seems to be turning around. Uh, the 220 then is the mile four handicap. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't think so. Uh, is this going to be the group horse and handicap? I'm not sure. Uh, so David and Nicola Barron are represented by Contact with Ben Curtis on board, 11 to four. Uh, Forza Orta for Kevin Ryan and David Egan is 100 to 30. Uh, at Haydock with Kaluki Sportsbook, who go uh, four to one about William Haggis, who just continues to be in red hot form. Uh, Majaran? Majan. Majaran. There you go. Know, yeah. <laughs> Me, mess up a pronunciation? Never. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, we've got HMS President then as well for Eve Johnson Houghton, who is seven to one with Kaluki. Right, so very tight at the top of the market. Uh, they're very not a whole lot in it uh, with Kaluki right now. Eleven to four, hundred to thirty, and four to one. Um, where are you looking, my man? I'm looking at the horse that we've both struggled to pronounce. Hey, um, fantastic! Um, Marajan. We touched last week on the form of the William Haggis runners and to be fair that has continued hasn't it he's, oh, i think he's hitting 38 percent strike rate alan kerr did as a massive favor in the the tassels gold cup um this horse is he's lightly raced he was so progressive last season um he ran well on his final start at york over a mile and three quarters off a mark of 95. He'd gone up 10 pounds for a win at Hamilton. Now, I just wonder if that mile and three quarters just stretched him a little bit there in soft ground um, at York. He's by Kitten's Joy, American sire, who's very, very good on turf, but he'd be better on quicker ground. And he gets to run off just a pound higher here. He's back down in trip from a mile and three quarters to a mile and a half. The Haggis horses are absolutely flying. I don't think he's a group horse in a handicap, but it would not surprise me at all if at some point he's plying his trade outside of handicap company, perhaps enlisted races or something like that later in the summer. Yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous how well William Haggis's horses are running. And it's with that reason in mind that I am... Quite sickened at the fact that General Idea, who was told, oh, this is the Derby Hope, got beaten 22 lengths today. Oh, God almighty. Uh, anyway, um, Haggis will line one up. Don't you worry. We'll get it. I'll handicap out of him <laughs> when, no, when no one expects it. <laughs> As I blurb that all over the Final <laughs> Furlong podcast. Uh, so we're going for the horse that we can't pronounce, which reminds me to say uh, I received several messages from Final Furlong podcast listeners greatly offended at. Not you at all, because you, first of all, are a legend, and also you tipped the winner of the uh, Tattersall's Gold Cup. But uh, my remarks about high definition, that he shall now, uh. he, henceforth be known as he who shall not be named, uh, to retract that <laughs> statement after his excellent run of the Tattersall's Gold Cup. And he'll he probably, ran really well. He ran a blinder, and he'll probably win the Coronation Cup should they decide to go that way, and I think they will. Uh, so we've got two for the Lucky 63, or however you proceed uh, to place your bets with Kaluki, uh, who, as William Haggis is represented with Tom Marquand on board by Cela Rossa, uh, is uh, Kaluki are going 5-2 to two about um, this filly uh, by See the Stars. Climate for Jessica Harrington, who doesn't just bring them over for the crack, 7-2 to two with James Doyle on board, terrific booking. Uh, Noon Star, oh, we had such high hopes. Uh, Sir Michael Stout, Richard Kingscoat, 9-2, to two, and they'll be on the uh, week's time, the Derby favourite. Uh, Richard Kingscoat will be on board for the Governor, Sir Michael Stout, and uh, Roger Varian with Lady Hayes, with Ray Dawson, Kaluki go 5-1 to one about her. Uh, this is the Group 3 for Mares and Phillies, the 2.55, again, over that Derby trip of a mile four, but at Haydock, and um, as you were saying, it's going to be at least good to soft, but probably good ground for the weekend, which seems like a strange thing to say about a place that you almost certainly need a nuclear submarine to get around. Uh, what is your take on the 255 at Haydock? Yeah, the um, I, I thought initially I had a good long look at C. La Rosa because she's just got such a, an upwardly mobile profile. Of course, she's from that man, Haggis, again. Um but I thought at the prices, she was tight enough considering 
she's still got a little bit to find, certainly on official ratings and time form ratings with a few of these. And you were mentioning that Jessica Harrington, she doesn't just bring them over for the sake of it. And I think there's a, a very, very interesting angle with climate in here because climate has already run in some decent races. She was fourth in a group two at Newmarket last time. She's dropping down to group three company here. But, but the angle for me here is the sire. She's by Australia. And we know that Australia's offspring, they just get better the further they go. This will be her first try at a mile and a half. She's related. She's closely related to three horses who were all at their best over a mile and a half. Australia's average winning distance of his progeny is over 11 furlongs. This is what Climate has been waiting to do. She's been waiting to go a mile and a half. And I think everything is in her favour in this contest. I love that confidence. I absolutely love that confidence. And uh, I don't disagree with it, by the way. Um, you might be saying, hang on a second, why is Shane Foley not come over? Well, Shane Foley is going to be riding Yashin in the Royal County uh, Handicap at Navan. And uh, that's shaping up to be, it's a valuable prize. It's worth 40,000 euro, 23K to the winner. And um, uh, Aidan O'Brien is unleashing Sun King again, who got off to got off the winning mark last time out. And I think will take a, an awful lot of beating, but is under top weight. And uh, Shane's got a, a good book of rides on other horses in the card, so it just makes sense to for him to stay in Ireland. Uh, and when you can get your hands on James Doyle, then you're pretty much okay. So climate, I, I'm loving the confidence, and I'm not going to argue with any of it. Uh, John and Thady Gosden have the favourite. Sunray Major in the John O'Gon Stakes, the Group 3, over seven furlongs at Haydock. Kaluki go 5-2, to two, about Frankie Dettori and John Gosden uh, teaming up with Thady as well, of course. Uh, Rafe Beckett and James Doyle, uh, the aforementioned, with uh, Kinross, 11-4. to four. Happy Power for Andrew Balding and David Probert, the man who spoilt our uh, mighty Ulysses party last week, 100-30, and uh, spied... Uh, and Carverk as a spy catcher uh, at sevens with Clifford Lee on board. Um, your take? Yeah, um, Kinross just about sets the standard. In, well, he does set the standard, not just about sets the standard. He sets the standard. He's a, a group. He's a group two winner. Um, he was a, a, a great fourth in the foray at Longchamp to, to Space Blues. And then he, he got into a bit of trouble when he dropped back to six furlongs in the champion sprint at Ascot on his final start. He's a real seven furlong specialist, this horse. But I wanted to take him on because for me, um, and I think um, listeners to the podcast, will they'll start to learn this about me as we go forward, that I'm the kind of um, punter and analyst who, if there's horses that are less exposed um, and open to improvement than ones who we know plenty about, I'll generally always zero in on those less exposed horses. And there are a couple in here that I think could progress beyond Kinross in time. Sunray Major would be one of them, though. He's just, he's had a couple of tries now in group company, admittedly quite spicy group company, for instance, behind Baid in the Judmont last time. Um, is he going to live up to his pedigree, being a, a half-brother to Kingman? Probably not, um, although I still think there's a nice prize to be won with him. But the, uh, we've already talked about this trainer once so far, and that's Roger Varian, and I like his Lanikash in here. He's lightly raced. He only had three starts last season and ran quite well on all three of them, to be honest. He was uh, second, third and fourth, all in Group 2 company. Um, his final start, beaten just over two lengths behind Ben Battle. Ben Battle on his day, uh, an absolutely stellar Group 1 horse. But the key for me here, Lanny Cash, not only is he open to improvement, he's going for the first time as a gelding. He's had... The, uh, the cruelest cut Ooh. of all. And if that gelding operation ekes a bit more out of Lanny Cash, he could be a really good value play in here. Ooh, well, he's currently 8-1 to one with Kaluki. Um, for the son of Cable Bay, 
because I was looking at him this morning, uh, the concern I had with him was he hasn't won since his debut. The positive was well, he's only had six starts. Uh, is mm. it a concern for you, or or do you feel like that form with Ben Battle and Glorious Journey that there there is that little bit more to come? Yeah, I, I think so. I I I would certainly be viewing this horse in a positive light um, rather than saying actually he's only one on debut and then struggled after that. He's, he faced really good company on all three starts last season. Um, he just wasn't quite good enough. As a possibly still immature three-year-old, he's now had the gelding operation. Worth noting as well, the official handicapper has got Kinross on 114, Lanikash on 112. So he's only got two pounds between them. Now, I would be thinking as a as a new four-year-old, newly turned four-year-old, and with a gelding operation, two pounds isn't much of a gap to bridge at all. Mm. There is also another point. Shadowell have retained him. Exactly. They've called so many, but they've kept this fella. Uh, 175,000 guineas as a yearling was his purchase. Um, oh. I said called. Yeah, it's okay. We'll go with that instead. I was going to say I'll get another phone call. <laughs> We're all right. We just about, just about managed. Uh, dispersal. There we go. Anyway, uh, that's the 330 at ADOC. And um, Lana Cash, who is 8-1 to one for a friend of the show, Jim Crowley, and uh, Roger Varian. Um, yeah, maybe a double for Roger Varian. I'm loving the confidence, my man. I'm loving the confidence as we switch to Beverly, where the official going currently, as we record on Thursday evening, is good to firm. Oh, Uh-oh. you think I've been confident so far? Oh, until oh. we get into this first race at Beverly. Let's go! Let's go! All right, so the two o five, we've got some very nicely bred horses here, including absolutely flawless who was a winner for me on TalkSport 2 uh, last time out, so I won't complain about that. Uh, Laura Pearson was on board that day. William Buick is on board. Uh, now it takes over after Laura's been on board for his two wins so far, or her two wins even, as I misgender her. Uh, daughter of Ripchester, who Amy Lynham and I talked about on the uh, Final Forum podcast pedigree special. There are two more of those to come. Uh, and he's, she, ooh, dearie me, 15 to 8. Been a long day, folks. Uh, 7 to 2, about the daughter of James Garfield, Par Fire. Uh, Primrose Ridge with a first-time tongue-tie for Daryl Holland and uh, Jack Mitchell. Acclaim, uh, 5 to 1. And then Fragrance for Charlie and Mark Johnston uh, with Jason Hart on board is 13 to 2. Have I mentioned, just to give us a spoiler alert, have I mentioned the winner? Um... No, I don't think you have. Oh, okay, all right. In this case, then we're going to get some some good value. And, unless, unless I just unless I just zoned out. And, you, and might you, you might have. You might have. Take it away, my man. <laughs> Who do you think is going to be winning the condition stakes, uh, the class two condition stakes, two o five at Beverly? Now, people who follow me on Twitter are already in the know here. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Milligan seventy three, you'll know that I'm very very keen on Richard Hannon's distinguished lady. And you'll also know that he's the 73rd of his name. Uh, Proceed. (laughs) And distinguished lady comes here on the back of just one run, and it was third, beaten seven and a three-quarter lengths behind a newcomer of Saeed Bin Saril's called Morge, who was really, really impressive that day. But... Not only was Marge impressive, I don't know if anyone was watching Wolverhampton the other day. Possibly, possibly not. Um, but the filly who finished second and split Marge and Distinguished Lady Believing of George Boffey's was a remarkable winner of a novice contest at Wolverhampton a couple of days ago. She reared up in the stalls, missed the break by 10 lengths in a... I think, let me just double check. I think it was, was it five furlong race, six furlong race? It was six furlongs. She missed the break by 10 lengths Jesus. in a six furlong race. And she still came through and won that race by nearly two lengths. It was a remarkable performance. If you haven't seen it, go back and see it. It was, the, uh, it was Wolverhampton. It was two days ago, three days ago, sorry, 23rd of May. Oh, my birthday. Uh, <laughs> That's why I missed it. God <laughs> almighty, she's completely missed the kick. The 240 at Wolverhampton. And it was a remarkable performance from that filly to win 
from where she did there. And I believe she's the only uh, filly to run out of this race so far. But I think this could be one of the best two-year-old novice races. It's the new market race, that is, not the Wolverhampton one, that's been run all season. And if that's the case, I think Distinguished Lady will go very well in here. She finished third. Worth pointing out as well, she was three lengths clear herself of the fourth horse, and she wasn't cheap. She was a 400,000 guineas breezer purchase, distinguished lady. She's a solid bonus. How much? 400 grand. Solid moral. She can't get beat. So there are obviously some expectations here with this filly. Richard Hannon knows how to win this race. In 2016, he won this race with another filly who'd raced just once. Are we putting the pieces together now? I Um, and do you want do you want the cherry on the icing on the cake? Go on. She's got the plum draw in stall one. Beverly. Those who are not too familiar with the Beverly straight course, and I use the word straight loosely, it's very much a dogleg turn yeah. for the first furlong and a half. You want to be as close to the inside as possible under normal circumstances. The ground turns soft. Sometimes horses out wider can come into it, but you on generally on quick ground, which I think it'll be on Saturday, good weather forecast in this area. I'm 30 miles from... Um, Beverly, it's been sunny, cool, but very, very breezy here. I think the ground will be on the, the quick side. Beverly on, on Saturday. I think she just gets out from stall one. She makes all under Haley Turner. They they do not see which way this filly goes. It's a point and shoot job for me. Oh, I even love that phrase. Point and shoot. Um used to use it on the podcast, haven't for a while, and I borrowed it because nobody has original ideas anymore, from James Willoughby and Angus McNay from the old original at the races days of uh, American racing. When the Absolutely. Willoughby and would, that's, would that's... turn and go, this is a point and shoot job. <laughs> and that's exactly where I've got it from as well. Having worked extensively with James in my uh, early days on, on Racing UK, now Racing TV. What a gentleman. What an absolute gentleman uh, James Willoughby is. And uh, what a legend as well. I don't think he realises just what an influence he's had on so many people, but um, and, and improved my knowledge and oh, love of the game oh, as well. And... I, I don't know if James listens to the podcast or not, but he he knows exactly the influence he's had on my career. It's fair to say I would not be doing this job today if it wasn't for, for James. He gave me so much guidance and mentoring in the early stages. He was responsible um, for getting me on racing TV in the first place. I, I owe everything to James. He's, uh, he's such a nice guy and he's... So, He's a big miss in the broadcasting world for me. Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just decided to take a step back. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's got a, a lot going on in his personal life yeah. that takes up a lot of his time. And he does a, a lot of writing, does the thoroughbred um, horse racing rankings as well um, on TRC. He, he That takes up a, an awful lot of his time. And he just, he just decided that the, the broadcast stuff he just he, he just didn't have time for it anymore and it's 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 a shame because i i love um, well, first of all i love working with james but i love watching him as a viewer and an enthusiast as well yeah well i'm, I'm presenting talk sport tomorrow and the prep work has already begun like i was already had a production meeting with the with the team like you don't just dial in at one o'clock and do the show like that's just not how it works. You, you've got so much work to do. And when you're doing TV work, the amount of work that you have to do is is equally um, oh, as, oof, as precious. Like, um, there are, until I, sorry, sorry, until I started doing it, I didn't realize how much work you have to put in. Because I'll tell you what, sure as eggs is eggs. If you don't put in the work, you'll get exposed and you'll get found out. Damn right. Damn right. Because even if if the running order is telling you, well, we're going to be cutting to Mark and then we're going to be cutting to Lucy and then there's a segment with Melissa. If something happens where for some reason the production team can't go and talk to Melissa Jones, they're going to come back into the studio and just talk to the two of you. 
So like Tweedledum yeah. and Tweedledee, whoever's in the studio, <laughs> that's who they're going to focus on. And if you don't have stuff that you can talk about, you are quite simply screwed. Um, yeah. Really wanted to use the more colourful language, but decided, <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes parents are listening maybe, to this show and the kids are in the background, so we better not. Uh, I should say sometimes, a lot. Because somebody, somebody actually said to me the other day, can like my my five-year-old listens to the podcast and the only time that they are are subjected to like foul language is if what you or one of your guests drops in an F bomb. So could you just could you bleep it out? And I would have said I would have said like I would have been polite about it, but there were like three messages like that in the last month or so where people were talking about my seven year old has started saying F because uh he heard you say it or and and the the best one was um this um this guy said that his daughter uh, said, F no, mammy, uh, or F no, mum, uh, in response to being asked to do like something. Or like, did you did you like that? Uh, and she was like, where the hell did she hear that from? That's from that Kennedy <laughs> fella, isn't it? So sorry, <laughs> sorry, kids. And sorry, parents, if um, you're already sub- subjected to that. Well, we'll do better. Uh, or at least Twala will insert the bleep machine going forward. But uh, Willoughby's uh, an absolute hero. And um, I, I, lo- I the only reason I watched the American coverage was I remember being told, or reading in a book, but also being told by somebody who's uh, been very influential on, on my life as well in broadcasting to watch as much racing as possible. Watch as much as, as possible. And he'd given me a book to read on, on racing. And in, the, in that, it was saying one of the best ways to learn is to watch. No matter what the grade is, watch as much of it as possible. And the analysis, with the greatest respect to the BBC back then, with Claire Balding, it wasn't really the in-depth analysis that you you were getting on Channel 4 with John Frankham, for example. Like, Frankham would, would go into to detail about stuff, and they would have the crack as well. Uh, whereas BBC was much more kind of s- stiffened, um, but not giving you the insight that you get now. And Ed Chamberlain was responsible for improving punditry as well because although it's not his words he has worked with the pundits to extract the maximum from them in the same way that he did with gary neville and jimmy Carragher. the reason those guys are so good is because of the work they did with ed and that that deserves to be said um so you might be looking at him and going why is he asking that question because he has to he has to ask a question that he knows the answer to it's part of the role um but genius is all around and, and racing broadcasting is all the better for them for me the um, the role of the racing presenter is, uh, I think it's rather unjustly criticised on places like Twitter, for instance. They're, they're very quick to jump on a presenter who they don't like, but then having worked with these people firsthand, you realise just how skilled and just how good they are at doing their job and how much as a as a pundit or an analyst they make your life so much easier by first of all doing their research leading you in the the correct direction asking the the right questions and it's certainly i can sit here and talk about racing till i'm blue in the face and do the punditry and the analysis the presenting that's a whole different ball game altogether i i genuinely don't think I could do that. And I think these these guys get a lot of, of unfair criticism on social media because it's such a hard job. And until you've worked up close with them, you don't realise really how good a job they do. Yeah, and they forget. Most people don't understand that the presenter is listening to the pundit or pundits, but also has a director in, in his or her ear telling them, Absolutely. in one minute, I need you to throw... To Lydia. So that is going on in the back of your mind as well. That you're and you are being counted in by somebody else as well, who's also yeah. keeping you in mind of how many commercial breaks there are, if that's the kind of show you're doing. Like if it's commercial broadcast, oof. Uh the amount of commercials that you have to, to do. And if you're in the middle of an interview and you're told you gotta cut to commercial break, that's it. Like you can't just overrule that yourself and decide you're gonna keep going. You, you've got a cut. Like the the ads are all stacked there. They've all paid for their 
advertising and it's got to be paid it's got to be done so you you have to go um and, and that's quite a, a difficult thing to, to do as well but oh, it's a, it's it's brilliant and it's it's uh i love i love seeing the very best do their job but when you go on on social media and then you see like abuse for someone like ed um or even nick showing me like on his on his iphone the uh, screenshots of abuse i'm like you're Nick, look. How can you be getting abuse? I can get the whole <laughs> posh thing. Like Nick takes the piss out of himself oh, yeah. over that. But if, like this if is Lucky, act- if Lucky's getting abuse, then uh, he's you know, the ghost. He's the ghost. <laughs> like he would be. Let's face it. He would be. Ed would still be with Sky, and he would be the ITV presenter if it wasn't for the fact that ITV hate Channel Four. They hate them, yeah. and Channel Four equally hate ITV, and they didn't really want anything that was Channel Four's. It, want, it had to be new. And so they got the best guy. They got Ed. Um, but Jesus Christ, like how anybody could be like, oh, you don't know how to ask questions when, to Nick. You, uh, to Nick! <laughs> My God! When you think about it, I mean, to, to have the, the sport represented the way it is by the likes of Ed Chamberlain and Nick Luck. Uh, Rishi Passad is another guy who's just, he's absolutely he's brilliant. fantastic. And he's a big Marvel um, fan as well. well so that's solidified yes. our friendship. As, as, as am I. As am I. I think you know about me, didn't you? Mark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the multiverse of Final Fallen Podcast Madness. <laughs> Special podcast coming your way very soon. Um, I, I was uh, I was just, just last week, actually, because I, I was struggling for time, so it was only last week that I got to see the new Doctor Strange movie. Indulge and, me. Uh, what, what did you think? Being completely critical, it wasn't quite as good as I was hoping for, but was still good. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was great. And I paid a bit extra to go to Cineworld VIP, where you can basically eat and drink as much as you want throughout the entire broadcast. So that was right at my street. What do you mean by by eat and drink? Are you talking about actual food? They have a food food. Oh yeah, they it's um it's twenty quid. And you go into a lounge 45 minutes beforehand. There's as much pizza, pasta, curry, popcorn, hot dogs, you name it, you can eat it. There's as much as you want, and it's all there. You can eat as much as you want for 45 minutes. You can then take all your popcorn up to the the screening. You've got uh, all your drinks are free. 20 quid. Can't get anything for twenty quid these days. It's and twenty that was an absolute feast. It's twenty-two quid to go to Top Gun Maverick tomorrow on the galactic screen, and that's just for flipping. I'm trying my best. Flipping popcorn and Coca-Cola, <laughs> other drink service. No. I don't care. Uh, yeah, Coca-Cola um, for popcorn and Coke. It's twenty, yeah, no, twenty-two, it's, it's... twenty-four quid. Is that right? Is it 24 quid? 20, 20 quid. Nine, quid. 24 quid. 19, 19, 20 quid. We're getting ripped off in C- Ireland. Cineworld. And and not only that, you get it's um it's almost like a private cinema. There's only 40 seats inside. Oh, it. come on. You've man. got big big recliners. Um any Anyone who this was at York, by the way, because I've been mentioned last week. I live quite close to York, and we went to Cineworld at York, me and my son, and we were just there was just us and two other people in there, and oh, we put away a lot of food, <laughs> a lot of food. <laughs> As you were saying that, Tawala just said the recliners are nice. To be fair, they are, but we don't get food. You gotta go and spend <laughs> another twenty quid to get pizza afterwards, and it's not in the same place. <laughs> Getting, is there anywhere like that in Ireland? If there is, please let me know. I, I at Radio Emerson on Twitter. I don't think there is. And again, and if there was, I guarantee it'd be fifty quid. This is yeah, we this, are getting ripped this off. Was, this was oh, it was phenomenal. But I was talking to the guy who who manages the v, the VIP lounge in there before we went up to the film, and he said that the, it used to be thirty three quid, and after the pandemic, they brought it down to twenty quid because they were obviously wanted to attract more people in, and they've kept the twenty quid price point for now. And you could literally, you could gorge yourself silly in there. There is that much food. As I say, pizza, pasta, curry. Oh, there was desserts, millionaire shortbreads, chocolate. Oh, come players. on. 
ice cream, as much ice cream as you want from an ice cream machine, all your popcorn, all your drinks. Other, no alcohol. You, the only downside is you've got to pay for your alcoholic drinks, but all your soft drinks are free, as many as you want. You can get alcohol. F- phenomenal. Well, it's a private bar, but you do have to pay for the alcohol, unfortunately. But you can get alcohol. Oh, my God. We are getting yeah. I, I'm. If there when, is a place like come, that, in- when you come over for the EBA meeting, yes, yes, we shall book a film and go into Cineworld VIP at York. That's what I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. That that sounds that's that, a, just up with something good on. That's a date. Uh, let's let's sort that out. By the way, make sh- remember that 8th of July, Thor 4 comes out, Love and Thunder. Yes, look, I cannot wait for that with Christian Bale as the baddie. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't Christian. wait. Was he? And the, the Guardians of the Galaxy are in it as well. Yeah, the Asgardians yeah. of the Galaxy. I'm, all, I'm, getting all, I'm getting all misty-eyed. I can't, I can't wait for that. Uh, so we've got the new Marvel show coming out next week, Miss Marvel, which I don't really, I'm not familiar with that character at all. I didn't read the comics. I'm just a, sorry to the... Yeah, I'm, I'm a ones. fan of the films. Yeah. It's, the, it's the films. Um, and my... One of my proudest accomplishments on this show is getting John Dance into the MCU, uh, and uh, subsequently <laughs> his wife Jess, and they have been watched I've everything. Tried, I've tried in vain to get my wife into it, but she will not have a bar. Of it. Oh, J- Jess loves <laughs> horse racing. Uh, is involved in the buying of horses, designed the the silks that they now have, and loves the MCU. We had a conversation before John and I were were going to talk. Um, and actually, I think Jess was on that podcast as well. And it was Jess and I talking about the MCU and the direction it's going to go. Does she, like, does she like Star Wars as well? I think she does, yeah. Because I was talking Obi-Wan about the Mandalorian. Obi-Wan Kenobi Next on week? Friday. Is it, is it this Friday? It's, yeah, it's, well, we're recording oh, this tomorrow. on Thursday. So it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> by the time you're listening to this, unless you've listened to it Thursday, then Obi-Wan Kenobi is available. I thought that was next week. Good man. All right. So we've tomorrow. got, we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi tomorrow. That's fantastic. Um, all right. The uh, anyway, the <laughs> we, we, we digress. <laughs> Can someone tell me, please? How did we go? How did we go from from talking about racing presenters to the uh, MCU? Rishi. <laughs> yes, Rishi was the the thread that he, he was the link that pulls this multiverse together. Uh, he's the America Chavez of this. <laughs> he's how we're able to portal. Through, through conversations. Uh, Rishi back on the podcast soon, by the way. A legend. Um, love him. And um, actually, I haven't talked to him about Multiverse Amandus. I need to have a chat with him about that and see what he thought of it. I loved it. I think it's amazing. Um, there's criticism of it. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I absolutely love the film. Uh, anyway. I think I think what my expectations were maybe just a pitched a bit too high. That might have been my... It's been, been such a long time since we've been able to go to the cinema and watch a Marvel film. Yeah, that's um, uh, apart from apart from Spider Man at Christmas. Yeah, we we um, had to wait a long time. Like Black Widow came out on Disney Plus, uh, so there was no need to go to the cinema for that one. And uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings that was amazing on the big screen. And I've watched it since on Disney Plus. And brilliant such film. an underrated film that one. That is very, very. legit. That goes straight into top ten uh, MCU good. films. Um, although that top 10 is getting stacked right now. That top 10 is probably <laughs> top 15, really. And uh, I, I came out of Multiverse of Bandits loving it. I, I really did. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I liked... I think I was... Do you know? Do you know I, I think because I'd read a few spoilers and things, I think I was just expecting things that, that ended up not being in it. Like, for some reason, my, my son had convinced me that Iron Man played by Tom Cruise was going to be in it. Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> That is going to happen. Is that, def- is that going to happen? Yeah, that's that's done, but it's not going to be... They decided to take it out of this. Apparently it got out, because uh, I tried to stay away from the spoilers, and then afterwards caught up with everything. And apparently Kevin Feige got really pissed off about the fact that he's the head honcho at Marvel Studios, for those who don't know. Yeah. And uh, Feige has now full control over everything, so he he's in control of the TV shows and all that which is why people were a little bit concerned that British actor Charlie Cox wouldn't be able to come back as Daredevil because if Feige didn't make it, Feige doesn't necessarily like it. And yet he has basically let all of them come back in one way or another. Uh, And Charlie Cox is going to have a a massive role in Echo, uh, the Marvel Studios TV show, which comes out on Disney Plus soon enough, um, and has that cameo, that brilliant cameo in 
No Way Home. Or Far From... Uh, yeah, No Way Home. Um, yeah. uh, as, as Matt Murdock, but also as Daredevil, because how did he catch that brick, Mark? How did he catch that brick? Because he's a really good lawyer. Uh, and also, also an incredible vigilante. But, I, but um, This will mean absolutely nothing to people who haven't if, seen it. Listen, this is just hopefully just getting more hardcore listeners into the MCU. Uh, and we haven't done this in so long, so it's it's more, it, it's very much overdue and uh, allowed. Um, also, it's my show, so uh, let's do it. But the, I can, I'm just buzzing that you're a Marvel fan. That's, that's amazing. But um, Feige apparently found out just how many people were writing about Tom Cruise as Iron Man being in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and was like, no shelve it because now it's not going to be it's just going to be fan service now now it's not going to work so he took it out and uh, but that Cru- would explain the pic- the pictures that i've seen yeah i've seen pictures that then my son said well we came out of the film and he said all oh, those pictures must have just been faked i but think clearly they weren't i think there was oh, photoshop really? stuff like because people I, I get very annoyed when i see deleted scenes it says like oh deleted scenes they're not deleted scenes they were never filmed they didn't actually film with Cruz, but uh, they have him signed. So he is going to be mm. an alternate Tony Stark. Apparently Sam Rockwell is going to be Iron Man as well in another universe that it's actually Justin Hammer became Iron Man in a different one because Sam Rockwell, so he's probably my favorite actor. He's an amazing actor. And um, he was the sort of the, remember in Iron Man 2, he's like dancing around like a, a real jerk, um, yeah. but he's got such a he. In as an actor, he's just got an incredible vibe and chemistry, and he could he could definitely do that. But Tom Cruise was in talks to be Iron Man originally, and Kevin Feige very much likes that idea of well, we were going to go with Tom Cruise, and then Robert Downey Jr. came in and shot the lights out, so that was that, and they got him for just half a million as well, so yeah. uh, significantly cheaper, but Cruz is going to do it, and he, and it's just a matter of when. It's not it's not if, it's when. Um, but they decided not to do it for there, and uh, spoilers, by the way, for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If you haven't seen it by now, I, I don't know what to say to you, but John John Krasinski, <laughs> like when he turned up as Reed Richards, was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening finally, <laughs> uh, and apparently he's now signed on as well. Like to, because obviously something happens to that. Yeah, I think the. Uh, I think I saw something that's the Fantastic Four movie goes into production. I think it's next year. Nice, nice. So we just production. have to figure out now who's apparently Jennifer. Jennifer Lawrence was was in talks to be Sue Storm. Because people were like, wait a second, she phoned it in on the X-Men films. I'd have phoned See, it I, in. I, I'd have phoned it I'm in on the right. X-Men films. They were bloody terrible. I'm right in thinking that the old Fantastic Four movies, Chris Evans was one of the Fantastic yep. Four, wasn't he? Yeah. Now, is there a possibility he reprises that role from a different multiverse, perhaps? That was talked about, uh, and people were kind of expecting that for Doctor Strange. I don't know why you would. He had the most epic send-off in, yeah. in Endgame. I'm certain that he and Robert Downey Jr. will return at some point along the line because it's Marvel. You can do that. It's comic books, folks. Um, and, uh, and and they will do it at, at some point along the line. But they both I had such that's... an incredible send-off. There's no need. And also their careers are just... like he. Robert Downey Jr. is more focused now on, on being a producer. And uh, he produced the TV series Perry Mason, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that yet with his wife... Um, I highly recommend you do the guy from, is it Reese Williams? The guy from, um, isn't Reese Williams on Twitter doing brilliant bloodstock analysis and pedigree analysis and knocking it out of the park? Have I got that? He's a fantastic tipster. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, have I just cast him in one of the best TV shows the last few years? Very basically. Well, he's good. He's not that good. There's nothing that man can't do. Uh, do you know what? He probably could be Perry Mason, but it's not like the, the old, uh, TV series, which if you're old enough to remember being a kid watching um, Perry Mason, then you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. But no, it's it's very much a, a real gritty, dramatized. He's a private detective who comes back from World War One, and he's he's suffering from shell shock, but he's phenomenal at what he does, and then becomes a lawyer. John Lithgow is in it as well, uh, and Tatiana Maslany, which brings us back to the MCU because she's She-Hulk. 
with Mark Ruffalo. And Tatiana Maslany is an amazing actress. She was in Orphan Black. I think she played 24 different characters in Orphan Black. She won an, she won an Emmy for it. Oh, she's amazing. Uh, anyway, the... Where were we? 205 goes to Distinguished Lady, uh, named after Tatiana Maslany. Uh, the 240 at Beverly. So this is... Now, could this be it? Uh, seven and a half furlong handicap. Uh, Kaluki have updated prices for me, actually. So hang on, let me refresh this. Let me refresh this. Uh, right, Percy's Lad is now 11 to 4. Wob, wob, wob. Fredrin Paul Keatley is 7 to 2. Uh, Ugo Gregory, 9 to 2. Blue for You is 7 to 1. What's your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I've got no startling revelations here. I'm a massive fan of the Daniel and Claire Kubler outfit there upwardly mobile young trainers who are embracing technology um, in the training of their horses in terms of sort of stride data and sectionals and, and things like that. And no surprise at all to me that they've improved Percy's lad having got hold of this one at the back end of last year. Um, he's looked most progressive winning his two starts this spring, slamming a decent handicapper of Martin Meads called Bake by um, seven lengths at Yarmouth and then winning at, at Nottingham um, by two lengths from Adelita last time. I think Percy's lad's probably still got some more improvement in him. William Buick, very, very significant jockey booking. Often we'll see William Buick at Beverly on a Saturday. Mm. He's got a, a good book of mounts there. And uh, I think Percy's lad is is justifiably favourite in, in here and, and just about my selection. Yeah, I was very much of the mindset to go with Percy's lad as well. The uh, the, the thing that put me off was that he was dual-entered for the weekend. Uh, but once Buick was confirmed, it was like, oh, game over, happy days, were sorted. And also entered for the Royal Hunt Cup, at uh, obviously at Royal Ascot as well. So that that's intriguing. Um, massive fan of Daniel and Clara Kubler as well. There's a great piece for them in the trade paper. I don't know if it came out today or not, but I only noticed it today. Um, I, I had a quite a few days of agony. Uh, <laughs> celebrating your birthday in utter agony. If you don't like me, then take solace in the fact that uh, I have been in a disgusting amount of pain uh, for the last few days. So there you go. Your voodoo doll <laughs> is working. Um, now stop using it. Got between is no harm. But anyway, the... Yeah, I... I, I Love their operation. Was fascinated with that interview and the insight and the fact that they're using technology in the way that they are. Uh, it's great to see, great to see trainers embracing stride analysis and uh, and such data because it's just very very valuable. Um, which means that uh, this must be the race then. Um, the two year old conditions stakes uh, for Colts and Geldings. Uh, whistle and flute. This is the three fifteen at Beverly. Whistle and Flute is your 15 to 8 favourite currently. Uh, Bakil is the horse that Andrew Balding trains that uh, Oshin Murphy and I were talking about a few weeks ago. He thinks an awful lot of him and thinks he could be uh, a Coventry horse. But bear in mind that he already put up a bet for the Coventry and uh, that horse was 6 to 1 and is now your 3 to 1 favourite with Kaluki Sportsbook. Ding, 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 ding. Pays to listen to the Final Forum podcast. Andrew Balding and William Buick with Chateau, uh, son of Havana Gold. you got Rogue Spirit. Oh, he's had the gelding operation already, the poor fella. Um, Tom Clover and Jack Mitchell, 9-2. to two. Jim Jungle, no prizes for guessing who he's by. Uh, Jason Hart and John Quinn, 11-2 to two with Kluke and The Riddler. Ooh, ooh. The Batman was a great film, but we'll save that conversation for another day, or else we're really <laughs> going to go off track. Uh, Fifteen to two for Richard Fahey and Paul Hannigan. Uh, your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, interesting that you should mention Bakil, who, like you say, they think an, an awful lot of, and whistle and flute sets the standard on that second to Bakil at Ascot, which for me makes Chateau of Andrew Balding's all the more interesting yeah, yeah, because yeah, Andrew yeah, Balding's yeah. clearly, clearly not bothered about taking whistle and flute on with Chateau, who was third on debut at Salisbury to remarkable force, a, a horse who's gone in again since and put up a, a really useful performance in doing so at Musselburgh. My thinking here is that, first of all, as I've just mentioned, um, Andrew Balding will have a good line to whistle and flute through back heel, 
with Chateau. And he could have picked any old novice or maiden for Chateau if he wanted to get this horse off the mark, but he decided to come to Beverly for this valuable two-year-old trophy, condition stakes, and has booked William Buick for the mount. And I think there's plenty to like about Chateau in here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I need to just ask you briefly about the horse's debut at Salisbury. So was beaten, but a little bit like most trainers, they'll tell you that, listen, if you win first time out, that's great, but then you're almost instantly asked to to go into deeper waters. And and so being able to to learn, um, you have to try and teach them as much as you can at home, but that's not always easy. So it can be a good thing to get beaten first time out, which makes it all the more intriguing that he's chosen this race, as you were saying. But what did you make of, of the debut performance? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't seen to the best effect on his debut either, to be honest. He was only uh, beaten just over a length or so. Yeah, length and a quarter. It's yeah. Worth, yeah, it's worth noting that he was hampered at the start there. He also met some trouble over a furlong from home. He ran on after that. He, he wasn't given an overly hard time. I think if he'd had more of the rub of the green there. We might be looking at a horse that had made a winning debut. And when you bear in mind, Remarkable Force has gone, I think, I'll just double check, but Remarkable Force, I'm pretty sure, improved his time form rating significantly from that first run to the second. Ooh, when he beat Chateau. Yeah, he, um, he ran to a 79 on debut beating Chateau. Then he won at Musselburgh. Just uh, five days ago, in fact, uh, with a time form rating of 97. Oi, oi. So we're talking about a horse in Chateau who's been beaten a length and a quarter by a horse who's now got a time form rating of 97 and will almost certainly be heading to Royal Ascot. I think he'll win this. That should be enough. (laughs) That should do it. Um, so Chateau is uh, is the one to be with in our our last race, uh, the last race to to preview for the weekend. That's the three fifteen, the two year old trophy. Uh, it's going to be lickety split. It's disappointing that the two year old trophy. Uh, I know there's obviously the more the bigger one at Redcar, but there's only eight runners from seventeen. But hey, uh, well, as long as one of those eight goes on, as as long as. The, the one who comes home first is called Chateau, then I don't really care how many runners there are, quite frankly, as as long as we get the, the rubber of the green, and I think we will. Um, loving the confidence. Just a couple of things to, to discuss before we go. Um, uh, Graeme Dand, who was also known as um, the, uh, the form analyst on Twitter, uh, I, I'll be honest and say got a terrible scare during the week. Uh, with um, involving cancer, and it just, I just wanted to get, I I couldn't hold food down or anything. It was just ridiculous, um, and uh, it's bloody brutal. And and thankfully, uh, there is a, an operation to be done. But thankfully, that's all, all okay. And and I was like, why can't it just be? Why can't I get it? Like, why can't I have of of that? Um, and. Uh, if you're going through that or if you've had a scare, you've been there, thoughts are with you and people don't really think about the family. Uh, they think about the person. Um, so thoughts are, are with the Dan family and all of, of Graham's friends. Um, but it's bloody awful what happened to him and it was awful that it happened so quickly. God rest him. He was remarkable in how he shared his story online because that's uh, an incredible thing to do and I I hope that his loss can give others hope in, in the fight and that if if you've got it um, know that there is hope. Unfortunately there wasn't for Graham but Graham got a, a terrible he was dealt a, a seriously bad hand Um but his uh, his wife Denise and and his children Sophia Olivia and Jude. Uh, I mean, she was only born days after he was diagnosed, which is just horrendous. But 
40 years of age is is no age at all um for him to to pass away and uh it is nice to see the the outpouring of support but what's more important is the the outpouring of donations and and help and and that's good to see and and something mm-hmm. that uh I'm I'm sure that Graham's family are incredibly proud of uh the just giving crowdfunding page is available I'll give you the the address for that in a second but your own reaction Mark Yeah so I can relate very personally to this situation having um lost my brother to cancer at the age of 40 um way way too young for for anybody to be taken it is a, a horrible destructive disease and my thoughts go out to to graham's family who i don't think any of us knew graham personally but i think we were all touched by the man on twitter and i think my my message to his family at this time would be just you know as as hard as things are now it does get better in time um as i know from from my own personal experience I, I didn't know that, Mark, and, and God rest your brother, I'm sorry. How long ago did that happen? That was in 2005. He was, sorry, 2006. He was diagnosed in 2005, and we lost him in the the spring of, of 2006, um, just a couple of months after his, his 40th birthday. Same as, same as poor Graham. Um, that is... Address both of them. Got between us, no harm. That, that's that's frightening. Um, the the good news is that they set a target of two thousand five hundred to uh, on on justgiving.com. They've kind of surpassed it by seven hundred and seventy seven percent. Nineteen thousand four hundred thirty eight. So that's far, fantastic. Which really is remarkable. Uh, justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding. Do you know what? We'll we'll um, we'll tweet it out. It'll. You'd be here all day trying to figure it out. Um, uh, Roger Bush on on the tweet machine uh, is, I think, has has put it up. But um, we'll we'll tweet out the link to it as well uh, from at Final Furlan Pod and, and from my own account. But well done to to Roger and and everybody uh, involved. It's it's heartbreaking, and I I really think what Graham did in sharing his story is an invaluable contribution in the fight against cancer because. Although it had a desperately sorry end and and a just an awful, awful ending, um, the worst possible. The fact that he shared it, it's not just the emotive part of it and how it how it touches you. It's also, it's it's quite informative, um, and it makes you appreciate even more as if you had to be told the when you love somebody who comes through that and uh, and survives that that battle uh, it makes you appreciate it all the more so thoughts with his family again and um we will tweet a link to the just giving page uh Aidan O'Brien and Coolmore have decided to take action they are suing Glanbia the animal feed supplier over missing out on Ark Weekend in 2020. I wondered when this was going to happen. So five of their horses tested positive um, in in France, and uh, Gain Equine Nutrition, which is owned by Glanbia, were the ones who had supplied the feed. I wonder are they still supplying the feed? Uh, and it meant that eleven horses all had to come out. Uh, I, I remember the frustration. Um, and I remember talking to Aidan about it at the time and um, the fact that everything was okay and that they hadn't done anything wrong was was good that that was vindicated but Coolmore estimated cost them 9 million euro which just goes to show you how valuable Arc Weekend is to a horse's career at stud or in the paddocks um, as as a broodmare you know, flat racing is a great sport and I absolutely love it, but it's very much, it's very much a business. And unlike jumps racing where horses are going to summer grass or, and, uh, and then coming back for the winter when, when the winter kicks in for flat racing, horses are being geared up for a stallion campaign or 
being ready to become a broodmare. Um, it's very much a, a business, and this is a, a big case, but I can see why they've done it, and I think they're right to have done it as well, Mark. Absolutely, yeah. Like you say, it's, it's flat racing is such a multi-million pound business now, and and Coolmore is at the, the very, very top of that iceberg in terms of um international standing and the value of their horses their race horses their stallions and it will be interesting to see how this plays out possibly a settlement possibly they'll just want to actually go to trial it's not like coolmore don't have the resources to do it uh so aiden is one of 10 uh, named uh, Donica is, is one of them as well, by the way, because they were all affected. This is the thing, is that Aiden and Donica are using the same feed supplier. So I wonder, I wonder has that changed or are they still using them? Um, because this was a one-off, but it was a very expensive one-off and it remains to be seen how, how it plans out, but I suspect they'll win um, or it'll be settled. But it, it was a, a huge, a massive uh story and, and a huge impact and it's a story that now grows legs and as Mark says it's going to be very intriguing to see how it all plays out uh, as will the weekend's racing so who is your best bet sir right the most likely winner I think we have to go right to the beginning of the podcast and say Dragon Symbol I think oh, is yeah. the most likely winner out of all the, the races we've looked at but my best bet would be in the 205 at Beverly the Hillary Needler I'm very, very keen on Distinguished Lady in here. She'd be my best bet of the weekend. And not just because you're a massive fan of that horse and have been telling everybody on social media. Uh, so it's not like you're trying to prove a point. This is really a horse that you've got uh, the, all the time the world for. And currently, currently, I don't know, I'm saying this currently because I don't know how long this is going to last for. Currently, you can get eight to one, seven to one, Apologies, sevens, seven to one with the uh, Kaluki Sportsbook. Now, how long does that sevens last for Richard Hannon, Haley Turner, and Distinguished Lady? I don't think it's going to last that long. I don't think it's going to last that long. You know why? Because the amount of market movers that were put up by Mark last week after the podcast went out, and they all got sliced in price, including um, one of your winners, my friend, where you landed a, a nice touch for us, at uh, that was the, the, and, the Andrew Baldy horse at Haydock, I think Valley Forge. Yes, from seven to one into fours, something like that. Seven to one when we recorded on the podcast. Uh, briefly, threes goes off fours, and boom. And at the time, Bandinelli was 15 to eight, and he went all the way out to four to one. Um, so all the money was for Valley Forge, and Kaluki were reporting uh, hefty sums for him as well. So well done, team final for long. Well done. Final Forum Podcast listeners. Uh, but more importantly, well done, Mark. Um, absolutely superb stuff. Uh, next week, you and I are going to preview the Derby meeting uh, at Epsom. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've also got the world of racing to look at next week uh, as well. Uh, the two of us separately between TalkSport and uh, your work with Timeform and uh, for Betfair as well. But by the time it comes to, to Thursday, we'll be getting stuck into the Coronation Cup, the Oaks, uh, and the Derby and some other races in between, but they're going to be the three primary ones, and it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk to you about that. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. We'll have a clearer picture as well. If if this week is uh, quite low, this weekend being quite low key, next weekend is going to be anything but. Can't wait for it. I can't. I'm super excited. Very very excited, and even more excited about the fact that you're a Marvel fan. Uh, that is. <laughs> Mark Milligan, um, uh, whose uncle was Spike, uh, joining us on the final front of pocket. No, <laughs> no, 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 low-hanging fruit. And uh, Mark back with us next week as well. We'll review all the action with Lucy on Monday. And uh, we have a special guest to review the Derby action on Monday week. It's hard to believe that next weekend is Derby weekend, but you'll get the best analysis right here in the final front of podcast. Uh, Mark. Best of luck with time form for the week. I uh, hope all the, the content goes well. I'm sure that it will. And looking forward to chatting to you again next week. Yeah, it's been fantastic to be on once again. And very much looking forward to next week as well. And finally, 
the Robbie Power interview comes out by Spotify this week. They're dropping it over the weekend. So if you're a Jumps fan and you're going, where can I get my Jumps fix? Robbie Power talking about his decision to retire and talking about the future of the weighing room and who the next generation of stars are and who he considers to be the best jockey in the weighing room right now. All of that will be coming out over the weekend. Hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy getting the gravy, courtesy of Mark here in the podcast too. Uh, Dragon symbol, obviously, stand out. To Duwama Kaluki, are you mad, lads? Thanks very much. We'll take that. Uh, For Mark and I, thank you very much for listening. We'll chat to you again next week. Be safe. Look after yourself. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To celebrate, we'll be having a Sunday and Final Furlong Podcast Owners Morning on Saturday, April 16th at Bankhouse Stables to see Raffles Capital and the €150,000 purchase, Invincible Power, the most expensive horse Sunday have ever bought. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.